0: This week will be the yard site of Harav Yehuda Leib Fishman, who later became known as Rav Yehuda Leib HaKohen Maimon, who was the first Sarah Datot minister of religion in the state of Israel. Rav Maimon was born in 1875 and learned in various yeshivas in the Lithuanian tradition. As a young man, it was obvious that he was very interested in meeting great Rabbanim, and dealing with their lives and their personalities. He wrote to many Rabbanim, and some of the correspondence has remained. And we've seen letters that he's written to the Raghachev, for example, to the Aruch HaShulchan. Sometimes they wrote back that we don't really know who you are, but we answered your letter anyway. Later on, he did get smicha from the Aruch HaShulchan. Rabbi Maimon did get smicha from the Aruch HaShulchan. He became a Rav and a Magid in various communities in Europe. In 1900, he became involved with the Mizrahi movement and declared himself as a lifelong Zionist. His Bikius in learning was well known. He was a real Tamid Chacham and knew a tremendous amount of of Bikius. And he felt that Perhaps Bekiyus is the better approach rather than learning Be'ion, and later on we'll talk a little bit more about that. In 1913, Rav Maimon went on Aliyah to Eretz Israel. After a while, he had a problem of, with the authorities and left for a few years to go to America, but he came back to Eretz Israel and built his life in Eretz Israel. He was friendly with Rav Cook, he identified with all the leaders of the religious Zionist movement in Eretz Israel. the year after Rav Kuk was Niftar, he founded the institution which is called today Mossad HaRav Kook, which was an institute for publishing sfarim, for a library, for a, Be- a kolel, and this Mossad HaRav Kuk was actually housed in the same building as Rav Maimon's personal house. His own personal library was held in in that building. His personal library had at least 40,000 volumes. Near the end of his life, Rabbi Maimon became quite blind. When I was around 16 years old, I visited Eretz Yisrael, and my father took me in to meet Rav Maimon. He took me for a walk around his library, and he pulled out Svarim to show me the rare svarim, unusual svarim, and he read the Shara page, the introduction, he used to read it to me, he would he would read it to me and explain to me what the book was about. All this he did when he couldn't read, read anymore, when he couldn't see, and he just knew his own personal library of 40,000 volumes at least so well that he could take you for such a walk in the library. Being known as a great Zionist leader led to the a very famous day in pre-state Israel history in June of 1946. Many of the leaders of the Zionist movement were imprisoned on that particular day, which was named Black Saturday, Shabbat Hashchora. Rav Maimon, of course, was arrested by the British police, and he refused to enter the car. He refused to go into a car because it was on Shabbos. So a number of big British policemen had to pick him up against his will and put him in the car, Rav Maimon used to joke about it. You see that they needed four uh, great uh, policemen to arrest him and was a rather frail, a short person and he, how much effort had to be put into arresting him. His arrest, especially the conditions under which they forced him into a car on Shabbos, created a big fear in Eretz Israel. at the time. Rav Maimon, while being a great Hamid Chacham, was primarily known as a great lover of Eretz Yisrael. And as such, he became friendly even with David Ben-Gurion, who at that p- point was one of, obviously, one of the great leaders, who was about to become, in 1948, the one who would establish the State of Israel, who would announce the establishment of the State of Israel, and read this Declaration of Independence. Since Rav Maimon was a close friend of Ben-Gurion, Ben-Gurion was very anxious that Rav Maimon come to the ceremony and indeed be one of those people that would sign the Megillat Atzmaut, the Declaration of Independence. Rabbi Maimon was in Yerushalayim, and the the signing of the Declaration took place in Tel Aviv. And at that time, of course, transportation between Yerushalayim and Tel Aviv was almost impossible. So, Ben-Gurion, in his anxiety, in his interest, in getting Rav Maimon to come to the ceremony, sent the piper. It sounds funny today to say the piper. The plane that they had, Rav Ben-Gurion put it to the disposal of Rav Maimon so that he should come on Friday to sign the Declaration of Independence. It is on still on tape. You can hear how Ben-Gurion read the Declaration of Independence. Rav Maimon then stood up and made the bracha of Shechiyano. When the State of Israel in its infancy, had to work, how to work a state, a state and religion, Rav Maimon was chosen to be the first Saradatot, the first minister of religion, and he had very ambitious ideas. One of the famous ideas that he had was he wanted to establish or re-establish the concept of a Sanhedrin. He actually wrote a monograph about it, Chidush HaSanhedrin B'medinatim HaMuchudaset, to rejuvenate the concept of the Sanhedrin in our rejuvenated country. This proposal obviously met with a lot of opposition and was a big issue at the time. There are a number of uh, stories that are told about it, but one of them is a classic story of Rav Maimon, that they asked him, let us assume that we can go forth with your project and build a Sanhedrin. But the Torah tells us the requirements for a person to be in Sanhedrin. It, the Torah says you, when Moshe was told about establishing the court, it says, Vatate you have to choose, Anshechayel, people of might, Lokim, people who are God-fearing, ansheemet, people who are the truth, who are truth, truthful people, Batsa who despise bribery. So, they said to Rav Maimon, in our generation to find Anshechayil, Yireya Lokim, Anche Amet is really difficult. But you know, maybe it's possible. But how can you find Sone Batza? How can you find in our generation people who despise bribery of any sort? And Rabbaimon's classic answer was if you pay enough money, you can find anything. If you're willing to spend for it, you can find even people who are Sone Batza. The issue of the Sanhedrin became a classic argument between Rav Maimon and the Haredi world, or at least part of the Haredi world. The brisker Rav, Rabbi Rav Velvel was known to have entered a tremendous controversy with Rav Maimon about this point. It became bitter, personal things were said, and attacks were made on both sides. When I was a student in yeshiva Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef in R.J.J. in the mid-50s, I remember a time when the Yeshiva actually was told to go to picket about religious coercion in to Israel, and we were told to go to the United Nations and other places where people were protesting against those people that wanted to establish Sanhedrin in Israel. My father who was a Zionist leader, refused to allow me to go to this uh, protest. And of course, as a young student, I had no idea what the protest was. I didn't understand the issues involved anyway. But uh, I took off from yeshiva that day and didn't go to the protest. Rav Maimon was a very, very prolific writer. One of the first books that he wrote, perhaps the first book, is a very small book that, to the best of my knowledge, was never reprinted, and I personally feel to shame it was never reprinted. It's a little book called Singh by Yom Derech, the one who puts a derech, a road, through the Yam. Of course, the title is meant, the Yam is called the Yam Talmud. The Yam is the world of learning Torah, Gemara specifically. Derech is what we call the approach to learning Torah, and he suggests there what would be the correct approach to learning Torah and it's presented as a as an argument between a charif and a baki between a person who learned b- with great pilpal and a person who was great in bakiyas, in wide knowledge but did not necessarily enter that world of casuistry if you if you wish the two protagonists of the book the charif against the baki are obviously rabbi maimon himself rabbi maimon presented both sides and wished to enter this debate. And as I said before, it seems that Rabbi maimon personally was on the side of the, of the Baki. He has letters of approbation printed in that little sefer, and one of them, or actually two of them, are written by the Aruch HaShulchan himself, who praised the, the book and explained... That many people have read this book, find it fascinating, and he really wrote a very warm haskama. He also wrote in that book, in that introduction in his haskama, the smicha for Rav maimon and of course the smicha is yare yare yadin yadin, and he calls Rav Maymon harav Hagon, harav Habaki, dorish v'chores ba'alacha ba'goda, so. His relationship with the Aruch HaShulchan was certainly a very positive one. Some of the other literary works of, the, of Rav Maimon, where he edited, founded the uh, a journal called Sinai, which has underwent a certain vicissitude in recent years, but nevertheless continues to appear. It was considered a journal of to- Torah and Mechkar combined together. And of course... Many of the great writers in the 40s and the 50s who participated in the Sinai were great Tamini Chachamim like Rav Zevin and, and many of the professors of the university many Tamini Chachamim and the collection of Sinai many special editions were put out are is a very important collection in the world of periodical literature. But perhaps the most famous thing that Rav Maimon did in his literary output was a series of books which he called Saray HaMeya. As I said before, uh, he was very interested in the lives of Gedolim and talking about them and, and, their, and stories about them. So he collected tons and tons of stories about Gedolim of the last hundred years. And in many volumes, he has tremendous stories about the Gdolim describing who they were and what they were. Some people have claimed that the accuracy of the stories is not always 100%. Uh, sometimes a story could be told about one person and it really did not occur in the historical context that Rav Maimon quoted. Uh, be that as it may, it became a very popular book, the Sari Hameya. Many editions were printed and it's a very interesting and a worthwhile book to read. He also, Rabbi Maimon also edited many other books, had many ideas of publishing books, for example, in a certain amount of years since the Ramam's birth, in in, in honor of a different person, one of the Gaonim, he published books, collections of articles of which he was the editor. As I said, Rabbi Maimon was Nifter, this week, the site is on Shabbos tomorrow, and in 1962, he was Nifter, he was over 87 when he was Nifter. He left a family, mostly the ones that I know, he left a daughter, Geula, who married one of the scholars who was the leader of Mizrahi, Rabbi Rabbi Yitzchak Rafael. Yitzhak Raphael was well known as a Chavar Knesset, he became a sar, but he was also became the head of Mossad Rav Kook. he was also a scholar who wrote various works, and they had a son named Shiloh. Shiloh, the son of Yitzhak Raphael, was grandson of Rav Maimon, and he was became a well-known Tamit Chacham, and unfortunately he was Nifta rather young. I'd like to conclude by telling a classic story about Shiloh Raphael. Shiloh Raphael, Ben Yitzhak Raphael, Ben Guula, the daughter of Rav Maimon, who herself, by the way, was a, a well-known writer. She wrote a biography of her father and, and other works as well. But Shiloh Raphael became involved in the yeshiva world, became very friendly with people like the Ger-Rebbe, and he used to go to the, to the, to the great Gedolim. When he was young, he felt very, very upset because his grandfather had entered a discussion or an argument, which I said was rather personal, with the Rav of Brisk, with others. And it was not pleasant for him that he he found himself in the yeshiva world. And the yeshiva world was so upset with his grandfather. So he asked his grandfather if he would be willing to somehow back down and make peace with them. Ask them for forgiveness, whatever it would be, whatever it would take to become, be- on better terms, with the gedolim, with which Rav Shiloh Raphael was friendly. They say that Rav Maimon himself then did make peace with these people, even at the, his own feelings, even though his own feelings were very strong about the point, but because of his son, his grandson's request, he asked Mechila from the Gedolim. Someone said that they went to Rav Maimon and asked him, how could you possibly do it? Rav Yudah Le'i Koin Maimon. Yehuda, is known as a big takif. He was known as a person who kept his own opinion, who refused to bend. How could it be that he you know, gave up and asked Mechila from someone else? So Rav Maimon's answer was, I can't help it. It's based on a Pasuk in Chumash. The Chumash says about Yehuda." The staff will not leave Yehuda. Yehuda will hold his staff and will not bend. But then the Torah says And here in our case Yehuda was interpreted until Shiloh, my grandson, came and asked me to. And therefore he did go and ask Mechila from Gadol Israel. Rav Maimon's historical legacy will be found in, in Mossad Rav Kook and certainly in the great literary output that he began, the, publica- the publications of Mossad Rav Kook still continue to this day. Rav Maimon's Svarim will live forever. May his memory live with his Svarim as a great Tamid Chacham and as a great leader of religious Zionism.